This is Mrs. Lassiter's list of AP Biology tips. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. If you're listening, you're probably one of my AP Biology students or you're interested in learning more about the AP Biology exam. In the sixth episode, we'll go through the second of the four big ideas. Like I said in the previous episode, we don't go through the big ideas in order throughout the year in my class. Uh, instead, they're mixed in, interwoven through different units. I teach a lot of big idea two in my class at the start of the year since I like to go through the content from a micro to macro scale. Many big idea two concepts, not all, but many, deal with reactions and interactions at the molecular and cellular level, hence the reason I like to touch on it early. Big Idea 2 is complex, and it includes a lot of detail you might not have seen in regular biology, so a lot of students tend to think that Big Idea 2 is one of the more challenging of the big ideas. Now remember, within the big ideas are essential knowledges and learning objectives, which you can review in the AP Biology course description online. And again, if you haven't done so already, I really encourage you to go to the AP Biology course homepage on AP Central to review the entire curriculum framework so that you can really see what exactly will be touched on as far as the exam goes and what will not be touched on. And it's very clear in the curriculum framework and the content description the things that you should and should not study in preparation for the exam. All right, so what is Big Idea 2? Big Idea 2 involves the following from the College Board. Biological systems utilize free energy and molecular building blocks to grow, to reproduce, and to maintain dynamic homeostasis. So if I were to sum up Big Idea 2 in a couple words, we would call this the free energy big idea. But it's a lot more than just energy mechanisms and processes by which organisms get the energy they need. It's more than that, but that does include things like cellular respiration and photosynthesis, again, which are studied at a level of detail that most biology students won't have before they come into AP Biology. So today we're just going to cover some of the main topics in Big Idea 2, mention how, they're show, how they've shown up on past AP Biology FRQs, and talk about some strategies for answering questions related to Big Idea 2. So one of the first topics within Big Idea 2 is the idea that living systems require free energy. And uh, one of the facts that you should remember, because you might have to apply it to some questions, is the idea that uh, the smaller the organism, the higher the metabolic rate. Now, there's some really great resources out there as far as, far as the laws of energy and thermodynamics and how they uh, apply to biological systems go, um, but we're not going to get into that today. Remember that organisms use this free energy to grow and reproduce, and then uh, like a lack of uh, energy or inability to maintain homeostasis within a system will ultimately result in illness or death um, for the organism. So from 2017, on um, question number seven, that is a good question to sort of talk about some of the biochemical pathways that bacteria will use, and you can kind of get a general idea of what type of question this first part of Big Idea 2 would involve. After that, Big Idea 2, tu Big Idea 2 touches on photosynthesis and respiration, the idea that organisms capture and store free energy for use in biological processes. Some good questions or FRQs to practice would be from 2017's question number five and 2015's question number two on the released AP Biology FRQ questions. Now, Going through the content behind photosynthesis and cellular respiration, you notice there are some details that you should review. The idea that there are several steps to these processes, that you should know what's happening within each steps and the things that are produced and the reason behind them. So for example, the first, one of the first steps of cellular respiration is that glycolysis process uh, where we catabolize glucose and then pyruvate oxidation. And the use for that is that we're going to be getting NADH for our electron transport chain. We're going to get energy for our substrate level phosphorylation of ADP, and we're going to get acetyl coenzyme A 
to go into the Krebs cycle, which is next. And then the steps within the Krebs cycle and the products coming out of that. And of course, um, finally, our formation of a proton gradient within our electron transport chain and how our uh, proton gradient is and the flow of protons is going to re uh, really create that bulk of the ATP within cellular respiration. Now, if that is really strange to you and you don't remember those steps or any of those things that I just mentioned, that it should be something that you should go back and review because all of that could show up on the AP exam. One theme that shows up a lot is this idea that glycolysis is something that is an evidence or a piece of evidence that we share a common ancestor. So another uh, FRQ question is said, for example, justify with the following observations how this uh, idea that glycolysis is a conserved process, how that point to the idea that we have a shared common ancestor. Next up, we have the idea that organi organisms are going to exchange matter with the environment. So from 2013's FRQ, question number four asks you to identify some key metabolic processes. So for the FRQ for 2013, question number four, you're asked to identify some key metabolic processes that are shown in a diagram and explain how each process is going to help carbon go through the carbon cycle. And you should be able to talk about where carbon is used and then how it is uh, fixed or transformed or or whatever it's happening to do. And then I remember to think about organisms that might perform both cellular respiration and photosynthesis. And of course, these are plants. Don't forget that plants need energy, as well as being able to um, fix that carbon from the carbon dioxide and turn it into glucose. They also need the glucose to then go into cellular respiration. Um, algae, and then there are certain protists uh, and bacteria that'll do this as well. So think about that when you're thinking about the carbon cycle and all the processes that support it. Now we're gonna go in in Big Idea 2 to thermoregulation and metabolism. Um, 2014's FRQ, question number seven, is a good one to practice for this. And then um, the theme of cell membranes comes up within Big Idea 2. Now remember, cell membranes are, are very special. They are selectively permeable, and they have a very particular structure that you should know. Remember, they're made of a phospholipid bilayer, and each of these individual phospholipids contains a phosphate head with a hydrophilic phosphate head and hydrophobic lipid tails that arrange themselves so that they're at the tails are at the interior of the membrane and the heads are at the exterior of the membrane. Now in 2017, question number eight was a good one having to do with membranes and the structure um, in the phospholipids. And you're asked to describe a characteristic of the, of the membrane that is going to allow certain molecules to cross the membrane passively. So the next topic we have come up is the idea that um, movement across cell membranes is going to support um, growth in homeostasis within organisms. And so you need to be able to know how certain molecules generally are going to move across the membrane. So what do small nonpolar molecules do? What does water do? What do larger molecules do? And be able to come up with an explanation for how certain molecules will get across a membrane in certain situations. All right, and then since we're talking about membranes, let's talk about important organelles within eukaryotic cells. So another major theme in Big I idea too is this idea of compartmentalization and how certain eukaryotic cells will have organelles with specialized functions and this is a much more efficient way to organize different metabolic processes and important cellular processes within a cell. And so remember this idea of membrane-bound organelles, that it's truly a eukaryotic cell thing. And I still have students mix this up at this point in the year. Remember, prokaryotic cells are not going to have membrane-bound organelles. There's a question from 2011, and even though this is pre-redesign, question number one from 2011 is a really good practice question to review the functions and the different structures of organelles. And again, just remember that membrane-bound organelles, that's a eukaryotic cell thing. 
for certain organelles, we'll have that double membrane, and that's going to be useful in establishing our proton gradient for cellular respiration, like in mitochondria, uh, to generate our ATP. So that proton gradient for ATP synthesis is going to be how that uh, double membrane comes into effect. Now we're going to get into feedback mechanisms. So we're going to study positive and negative feedback mechanisms in Big Idea 2. And remember, this will include things like operons and temperature regulation or onset of labor in childbirth. So this is a good topic where you should go through and make sure you have several examples that you feel like you can thoroughly explain on hand of both positive and negative feedback loops in organisms. Now, operons will probably, it is highly likely, show up on your AP exam. These are very popular critical thinking questions, and generally the way they show up would probably be a diagram and then you having to analyze how that pathway works. So remember, for example, in the LAC operon, this is gene regulation within a prokaryotic organism. And a lot of organisms that have some sort of regulation, uh, it's going to happen at the transcriptional level. So where that gene is actually transcribed, we can turn that gene on and off by having things like repressors attaching gene and then transcription is blocked if the repressor is active. Now something like lactose could be introduced and then the lactose will basically make the repressor detach from the gene. So we have an inactive repressor and then transcription can continue and we can transcribe the genes. Now, because this is negative feedback loop, we have this active repressor blocking gene expression and then because it's binding to the operator and then an inactive repressor is going to allow for gene expression and the repressor can be either inactivated by uh, an inducer or a mutation or something wrong. Um, so go back and review, diagram out your operons. I have a good video on this as well, but make sure that you review how um, the operons work in prokaryotes and think about the reason for why this is happening and how it relates to feedback loops and uh, negative control or positive control, depending on whatever operon you're looking at. So remember that development and gene expression, these are all things that need to be carefully regulated to make sure that the right genes are expressed at the correct time, at the correct location within an organism. Um, and remember that there's different levels of control as well. So we're going to look at gene expression in eukaryotes as well as bacteria. Um, we have it happening often at the transcription stage, but it can also be post-transcriptional um, or pre-translational, depending on how the mRNA is modified. Or then after translation, we can also have protein modification by certain things that could break down or modify or package the protein in different ways. So make sure you think about the different types of of expression there. So in Big Idea 2, we also talk about organisms and how they can change and respond, respond to external environments. And this is going to be where we talk about things like photoperiodism, phototropism. In 2015, question number five is a good uh, uh, example of response that certain organisms can have. So I encourage you to go practice that. It's an experiment and you can analyze how the experiment uh, was conducted and what can be concluded from that experiment. We can also talk about things like hibernation, sweating and shivering in humans, chemotaxis, um, and then we're going to introduce the idea of biotic and abiotic factors affecting organisms in different ways. So this is where we would talk about things like predator-prey interactions, symbiosis, availability of resources. So this could be something like water, which is again abiotic, or for example, the density-dependent growth of cells or carrying capacity in an environment when certain resources are no longer available and the population is limited to a certain um, amount of growth. 
or certain rate of growth. And then homeostasis again will come up. And homeostasis is not only going to be talking about how organisms maintain that internal balance in order to survive, but it also different types of homeostasis and homeostatic mechanisms can reflect common ancestry and how different organisms have adapted throughout the years. So this can be how organisms obtain certain nutrients or maintain waste systems. So you might want to review different types of systems within different types of organisms, such as the digestive systems um, and compare how uh, a di- an organism would di- digest or obtain nutrients in different ways, how gas exchange can happen in different organisms, wastes, how different types of nitrogenous wastes are expelled from the body. Think about how fish expel nitrogenous waste differently than we do and why that is. Maybe think about circulatory systems and thermoregulation in different organisms. There's a short question on metabolism and thermoregulation uh, from 2014's FRQ, question number seven, so you can check that out. As far as body systems go, you do not need to go through and do a full study of anatomy and physiology of humans or other um, mammalian organisms to prepare for the AP exam, but three systems that will probably show up quite a bit that Uh, the College Board likes to test on are the nervous system, the endocrine system, and the immune system. So uh, nervous and endocrine, we really don't touch on too much in Big Idea 2. Of course, they can come into play with things like our feedback loops, for example. But the immune system is really the Big Idea 2, the system of choice for Big Idea 2. So we'll talk about that in just a moment. But nervous, endocrine, and immune systems are the three systems that you'll really see show up a lot on the AP Biology exam. Other systems may come into play depending on what information they give you, but they're not going to show up as much. So again, you do not need to do full memorization for all the human body systems uh, that have ever existed. So our next topic within Big Idea 2 is the idea that biological systems are affected by disruptions. And so an example of this would be how the immune system could respond to a pathogen. 2015, question number eight is a really good example of this. And it's a situation where they say someone has lost the ability to activate B cells and they can no longer display a humoral response as part of their immune system. So you're asked to talk about consequences about this loss of B-cell activity on the individual's response. And so some of the things that you might talk about, because they can no longer um, activate their B-cells properly, they can no longer produce antibodies, and there's no longer memory B-cells, so that when that infection shows up, or the pathogen shows up a second time, they do not uh, have a faster response um, than the original, which is normally how our second exposure works, because of our immune system and memory Um, within the immune system, we have a more rapid and enhanced immune response, the second exposure to a pathogen. And you probably have seen the graph that I've shown you lots for my students where we see the second time around it will happen, the immune response will be quicker and stronger because of the memory cells. Now remember there's other parts of the immune system that are not just B cells and so things that you'll have to remember, of course the immune system is very complex and there's lots of different cells involved, but some really important cells that I want you to focus on as far as review would be cytotoxic T cells, B cells, And then, of course, antigens and antibodies and their roles. Um, So think about, you know, how the cell-mediated response would work and some of the cells that would be active depending on what part of the immune response is going on. Now remember, plants also have defenses against infections as well. So think about the immune responses that other organisms would be able to show in certain contexts. Next up in Big Idea 2, we'll be talking about development and timing and coordination of certain events. So these are regulated by specific mechanisms and again, this is where phototropism, photoperiodism, circadian rhythms, these could all come up here. Um, 
Importantly, again, development. You do not have to memorize your embryonic stages here, but you should be able to talk about the role of programmed cell death or apoptosis, or maybe think about an experimental setup for a gene regulation experiment and be able to analyze how development could be affected by knocking out or enhancing the effects of certain genes. Now, almost to the end, in Big Idea 2, we're talking about how behavior and natural selection are regulated by certain mechanisms. And again, a coming up, we could reference circadian rhythms or phototropisms and different interactions with the environment, mutualistic relationships, certain behaviors, even quorum sensing in bacteria. Remember, this is the density-dependent coordination of bacteria, so kind of bacteria being able to talk to each other and form things like biofilms. There's a question from 2017, actually, that references biofilms. It's not necessarily about quorum sensing, but still it's within the Big Idea 2 category again, so you can check that out. But thinking about how signaling can affect different organisms and how bacteria can sense local densities of, of other bacterial cells to form this aggregate and areas that the bacteria can recognize. So that was a lot that was very quick. So please go back and review the things that didn't make sense to you. Please make sure you go back and check out some of the FRQs I mentioned and be sure to spend some time working on practice questions involved with Big Idea 2. Next up, we'll be reviewing Big Idea 3 very soon. AP Biology is a trademark registered by the College Board, which is not affiliated with and does not endorse this podcast. Thanks. Thanks.